Yo, 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 what is happening? Welcome to Religiously Incorrect. I'm Pastor Todd, and filling in for Pastor Jeff tonight is our main man, Brother Mike. How you doing, Brother Mike? Good evening, sir. All is well, you? C- can I give you a title tonight? No, you sir, you will not. Mike. Said, no, Brother Mike, Mike, we'll do fine. He said, that's a trick for that's the next a church tr- meeting. Exactly. <laughs> you already know it. That's a trick for the next church, church meeting. I'm, I'm a brother. That's right. why I, well, I appreciate you, brother, for Absolutely, real. Stepping brother. in for, for us. For sure, appreciate uh, you. Brother Jeff, a little bit under the weather, but he'll probably tap in and talk to us and, and chat. He's good. Uh, he doesn't have the Rona. You know, matter of fact, I think he has one of them historical diseases. Oh. You know. Around polio time yeah, yeah, and age. He doesn't eat enough oranges. Right. <laughs> one, of them, one of them joints where you were like in water with some hippopotamuses or Oh, something. okay. Okay. You I know, got what you said. Scurvy, yeah, yeah. Right. rickets. <laughs> You know, he just needs to put a little Bengay on it. You know That's all. Bengay take care of all of that. A little tussin. But hey, Pastor Jeff, get better again. He's yes, sir. good. It's all good. He'll probably pop in and mess with us a little bit. Hey, like, share, tag. Welcome to Sunday night service. We decided that since nobody does Sunday night service anymore, we were going to fill that slot with tomfoolery and foolishness. And all other types of religiously incorrect behavior. And uh, we're glad to see you all popping in. What's up, Rashad? Good to see you, my brother. Uh, Lady Dela Cruz, good to see you. I know pastors back there somewhere laughing at, laughing it up at us. And uh, Elder Carter, good to see you. Do me a favor, like and share. We got a great guest with us tonight. And uh, a lot of different things are going on. But you know what's been happening, Mike, for a few weeks now? is this Kanye and Kim saga. Mm. Uh, I mean, dude is writing diss tracks Mm. about a comedian I could beat up. Mm. (laughs) You know, I mean, I mean, this is stalker behavior. Mm. And that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. My Mm. opinion is that it's stalker behavior, but I don't think people are taking it seriously because he's famous. Mm. Mm. And she's famous. And honestly, not always terribly liked. Right. You know, on, on her side, you know, just being the whatever people say, talent, you know, whatever, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just rich for no reason kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think people are not treating it the same way. But I mean, what's your take on what you're seeing? I mean, because it's become like on one hand a joke. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you feel like you're really watching another phase of breakdown with this brother. I mean, what what is your take on that? Sure. You know, so. You know, when you deal with Kanye, I believe that's already going to be an X factor being that. You know, since his mother's passing, and I remember that while I was in college, his life has been a, a roller coaster up and down between the political parties that he's backed and so on and so forth. So right. you can never quite kind of just kind of put a, a, a tab on t- Kanye and say you'll expect this out of his behavior. You know, and right. I actually met the brother once as well, and uh, he was mad cool. But, you know, someone of that type of imbalance, if I can say, you know, there's definitely a, I want to say it needs to be a a circle that's around you, you know, a village for times such as this Uh, to be able to pull you in. But, you know, he's at a whole nother level because sometimes with people that have power and money, it's very rare that uh, anyone can even speak to them. You know what I mean? It would literally take, I don't even know if Jay, I don't know the dynamics with him and Jay-Z or whatever, but it would take someone just short of, you know, the Lord coming down. Yeah, he needs Jesus. He, 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 he needs. I mean, let's go ahead and put it out there. He need, he, I thought he was Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought he, he thought he was Jesus for a minute. Yeah, but but okay. So that speaks to the Jesus component because 
he has wrapped himself in faith and, you know, the Sunday morning service and that kind of thing. And I was skeptical from the jump. And it's not a popular thing these days to be skeptical of anybody's religious or spiritual. But I was just seeing it on the more the performance side and wondering if this was not just another way of this sort of self-aggrandizing. Like, mm. I can even make religion in my own image. Sure. Basically. Sure, sure, like, sure. Like, I'm not going to get saved and just go to somebody's church. Right. No, I'm just going to jump on and create my own superior per- performance, mm-hmm. which is what I honestly see it as, performance. Yeah. But apparently it has not really stabilized the brother. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also been a part of kind of crossing over into a even deeper form of crazy because once you've created a form of spirituality that affirms your behavior within yourself, mm-hmm. ain't nobody out here checking you. Ain't no mama's telling you, nah, sit down, brother. You need Jesus. Ain't nobody right. correcting you. Right, you right, are right. the center of your little religious experience too. Absolutely. I, I just think that's tough to come out of. Right. Uh, I do think that we could be watching what could very well be. And I, I don't want to say this because I wish for it, but in a tragedy that you almost see as a train wreck coming, mm stuff we've heard about in the past mm. or seen or you didn't hear about it until later on when somebody writes a memoir mm. is almost like we're watching it in real time. Mm, and sure. so sometimes it's not even about the circle anymore. It's about, do you just need to get legal protection? This, that, and the other. Sure. What I'm sure Kim does. You sure. don't have this. You know, uh, for, for a, a piece of this though, you know, being that they live in the limelight. And that's not to say that if you're a celebrity that you are deserving of negative attention, although this might seem to have it magnified because of all the social media platforms and TV shows or whatever. But, you know, it's almost like they love to write their own narrative. Yeah. Well, they're used to it. Exactly. From their from their shows and the editing and this, that and the other. So I can't imagine that there's not a team that surrounds them. Well, at least uh, the Kardashian, that, you know, regime and saying that, okay, this is how you want to reply. This is where you don't. So on and so forth. So, you know, I'm I'm uncertain, man, when it comes to feelings, then people who are uh, mentally imbalanced and things of that nature. I think it's a show that we're all just in tune for. Uh, I hate that it takes over the headlines that just the same as like a, a Britney yeah. Spears or whatever. It's kind of like, how much longer do we have to deal with these people's problems that are not our own? That's well, why a, I t- yeah. turn out. You aside, tune out. Tune, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from the actual fact, someone could potentially be in her, be harassed. This is, needs to be dealt with. But for it to be, you know, on our TVs and this, that, and the other. Every time you go to open up a social media platform, you know, it gets tiring. Well, there's a market still. Right. And there's a very right. sick desire to mm-hmm. see uh, other people crash and burn. It is entertainment ultimately for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And the same people who are being entertained by what they're seeing are also going to be the first ones saying, fly high, my G. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. Or, or, right. or that's messed up right. and all of that. And so, you know, I wish we would learn from previous celebrity uh, struggles. I mean, everything from Michael Jackson to Britney Spears to this. Mm. These are real people with mm. real lives. Absolutely. And it's hard. We all caricature. We all joke. We mm. all see the memes and the and the and the people playing them on, you know, Saturday Night Live or whatever. But honestly, when you get to a point where you're not even being, uh, what's the word? Uh, satirized or whatever I want to mm-hmm. say correctly gotcha. when, when you're not even being subject to satire anymore that's when you you're in a different space mm. and it's not even a joke mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. 
and we don't even want to use words like you, you crazy and da, 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 da. But let's be honest, flip side before we jump off of this, she probably enjoyed his unpredictability until it was turned against her. Absolutely. To a certain extent, because to a certain extent. You, you know what you're getting into, right? They were supposedly friends w- many years, right? Right. Before yeah. they end up getting engaged and married and so on and having kids. So a certain part of you, whether it's something that you suppressed or not, you know what you're kind of getting into. And that that his red flags have been very noticeable. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It hasn't yeah. been like, oh, I'm going to date him and see how. Boom. You, they've been told you he's crazy. And it's a cautionary tale for anybody who thinks that they can manage somebody else's, Agreed. you know, right. uh, mental issues or, or, or he's fine when he's with me or right. he's a teddy bear when he's with me. Right. Well, he might not always be. And we've seen that at the local level. We've seen that with people we love, mm-hmm. people in our families. We're like, you know, everybody's just hawking red flags, flashing lights, da, 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 da. And they're like, well, no, with me, it's yeah. all good right. until it's not. Right. You know, and so, again, nobody's exempt. There's not enough money in the world, not enough security guards in the world, not enough fame in the world that can stop you from the same relationship issues, the same personal issues, the same mental issues Mm -hmm. that anybody else would deal with. So I pray for the brother. I mean, seriously, I don't make him the subject of what I'm thinking about or talking about. But I hope that they and their children. See, that's the part I was about to chime in. I mean, the fact that the children children always suffer the most when it comes to adults. They're going to have to live with this the rest of their life. And people have no filter around the children. Right. You know, and, and and so that's that's really worth just treating people like human beings. And if you're not praying for them, just leave it alone. Right. You know, be one less share. Right. You know, one less person on that. So, you know, I hope I, I really do hope things work out and this becomes an afterthought and they go on with their lives and find stability wherever they can. Uh, but, you know, he needs Jesus. He's old good Baptist church. Jesus, he, need, he don't need Sunday morning service. He needs Mount Zion on the other side of the hill. Baptist church <laughs> with doilies on the head. He need that Jesus. He need walking on pews, Jesus. And I think it'd be a little better. Uh, Mike, we do a little something every week. Now we call it meme of the week. Right. Big Mike. We're not going to write this. Meme of the week. Meme of the week. Welcome to religiously incorrect, ladies and gentlemen. Meme of the week. Meme of the week. Thank you. Send us your memes of the week. These are all jokes. We are just playing. Our meme of the week. I hope I'm in your prayers as much as I am in your gossip. Ooh. Ooh. Man, I don't even think that's a meme. That's, that's, a, a, <laughs> that's a clap back. That's <laughs> That might be how I sign off on Sunday. A sister wrote this. And a sister wrote it. First of all, (laughs) first of all, first of all, a sister. I hope I'm in your prayers. Well, how about that's a good point. Sure. To show the cross section between prayers and gossip. Right. Because when most people say, I'm going to pray for you. Right. What they really mean is I'm about to go tell somebody. What you just told right, me. Right, right, right. Or that was the prayer. That was the prayer. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you. Was the prayer. Was the prayer. <laughs> Lord know what I meant. God knows my heart. He, he knew. He knew I was. He knew that. that and that's it. That's the extent. Yeah. I'll be honest. But I, I say it all the time. Right. <laughs> but we find real pastoral ways to say it. Sister, we are praying for you even now. Right. <laughs> Even now, we are standing in the gap. Red flag. Even uh, now, uh, saints. Even now, I'm here for the layman. You know what I mean? 
I'm here for the regular he's, congregate. He's speaking for the little guy. He exactly. Is, this is if a, you hear it even now. You hear it even now. That's a red flag. That's a red flag. <laughs> but, but I mean, everybody is guilty of being flippant. But even beyond that, being toxic about prayer. I've even been in prayer circles. You know, we have after Bible study, we used to do prayer circle at my church I grew up in. And there was always that lady that had a prayer request for somebody else, but always more details than you needed to know mm-hmm. to share that because i want you to pray for sister Susie's son you know because he owned that stuff <laughs> and, and and you yeah. know he got picked up again what? last night and i don't know what she's gonna do because her husband lost his job too right, right. And, and so after a while it's like what, what are we doing here right you right, know right, right. what are right. we doing here so i hope you do i hope yeah. you pray for me right as much as you gossip come on because i think the gossip is automatic <laughs> it's coming. The the prayer is what takes effort. Right, exactly. <laughs> the go- the gossip part is just inherent to yeah. our to our behavior. Uh but yeah, I mean it's it it's a reality. And you know what I am about this, Mike? It's like that's human nature. Mm. You don't have to be saved to be that way. Yeah. You are more likely to talk about something than to actually be concerned about it. Mm. So mm-hmm. I don't even label all church folk that way. Because mm-hmm. quite frankly, all human beings are that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it it just is what it is. So, so that was your first foray into meme of the week. Oh, okay. I appreciate that. If you have a meme of the week you'd like to share with us, you can send it to religiously incorrect podcast at gmail.com. If you can spell that email correctly and we actually get it, you get a gift card just for that because it is the world's longest. It's like a Greek word. It's like, it's like three Greek words tied together at gmail.com. Religiously incorrect podcast at gmail.com. Send us your memes of the week. I've been asked, do they all have to be religion or Christian based? No, but we don't do like F-bombs and stuff like that. Uh, but this is religiously incorrect. So we'll try to stick with the theme. So thank you all for tuning in. Keep sharing. Before I hit the sponsors, I want to remind you that my man, Pastor Jeff, is not in with us today. Little under the weather, but he's all good. He might wake up from his slumber and, uh, you know, tap in and say hey and say hi. But my man, Brother Mike. Brother Mike Ingram is filling in. He's been with us before, and we're happy to have him. You all tap in and say hi, Mike, and while you're doing that, be sure to like, share, tag somebody as we thank our sponsors. Our first sponsor from the Phillips Care family of businesses is Phillips Care Cleaning Service. They do residential, commercial floor cleaning. They also do maintenance of all types, indoor and outdoor, move in, move out, deep cleaning. About to call them to get my carpets taken care of in the spring. I can vouch for them. They have done work for me, for my, for my family, for others I know. Do an excellent job. Black-owned business in the Mahoney Valley. Call my man Fernando at 330-219-7916. And since we dared to have a warm day in March, you might as well check out Phillips Care Lawn Services. They do leaf removal, weekly, bi-weekly, mowing, edging, trimming. You know, they'll take out the, the clutter, the brush, you know, the, the limbs that have fallen down in your yard. They take care of all that stuff. If it's indoors or outdoors, Phillips Care LLC will take care of it. Again, hit up my man, Fernando, 330-219-7916. And again, if you'd like to be a sponsor of Religiously Incorrect, reach the millions that we tap every day. You, you, I mean, you're going to go straight to the stars if you, if you advertise with us. I mean, we're, we're all over the world. Go ahead and hit that link. Send us an email at religiouslyincorrectpodcast at gmail.com. Inbox us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Hit us up. We'd be happy to have you. I want to introduce our guest today. He's been waiting patiently. As we say in the church, the hour is far spent. 
The hour is far spent and we will not hold you any longer. But there is a man and a word from the Lord. Somebody. There's a come on. God's man is here. (laughs) And and there is a word from the Lord. Our theme for today is higher learning. Mm. Higher learning. And our guest for today is an individual who has not only achieved some higher learning, but is actually right in the midst. I mean, in the middle, I'm talking about about to cross over. I'm already claiming it for him to that next level of higher learning. He's a preacher extraordinaire. He's a wonderful pastor and shepherd. We know him in the Warren Youngstown area the past pastor of the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Youngstown. He is currently the pastor of the church at Oakland down in Jacksonville, Florida. I want you to welcome my friend, my brother, Pastor Christopher McKee Jr. Somebody lift it up for him. Let me hit him hands, <laughs> them likes, them hearts, them amens as he comes in his own way. In as he comes way. in his own way. How you doing, my friend? Man, I am well. Uh, I am so honored to be here tonight. Uh, this is just, this is fun. I've, I've been sitting backstage just enjoying uh, the opening part. This is this is gonna be a good night. This is gonna be a good. Now, night. do y'all hear that early sermon voice? Y'all hear that early? <laughs> right. Y'all hear that? Somebody. Y'all hear that sermon <laughs> intro voice? Come on. Sing a song in a minute here. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a song on my heart that was ministering to me this morning. I just want to hit a tune of it real quick. Yeah, we always had that quiet, mellow, like we about to be professorial. Right, right, right. Don't be fooled. We about to walk on your pews and kick over some flowers. Yep, yep. That's the the pulpit, Barry White. How is is Florida treating you, my man? Florida's wonderful. Um, actually, this is uh, this month is uh, our fifth year here, uh, and uh, it's been awesome. Great church, great people. Uh, you know, I, I laugh about Florida. The politics can be a little interesting, but the weather is phenomenal. Uh, so Wonderful. You, you, you got to make it work. <laughs> you got to make it work. But no, right, it's going well. Love yeah, y'all in the epicenter, man. Y'all in the epicenter of crazy uh, politics, you know, man. I mean, we, we, you, you know, know you, you want to invite me back for another day, we can talk about that. Uh, that's a whole other conversation. I, I can believe it. I'll be praying for you even now. <laughs> even now. Even now. Even now. Even now. We are with you in prayer. Man, I, I'm, I'm glad you are a part. Uh, we're in the same uh, generation. We are a part of that 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 new up and coming. We're, we're, we, we don't count ourselves as young anymore, but in yep. clergy parlance, we're yep. still fairly young. We're, we're, I mean, we're still supposed to do youth revivals for another 10 years. We're still, so yeah, youth, youth days. And we'll have children know. in college at that point. Correct. Uh, Shut in. Yeah, yeah. Sunshine band, <laughs> all that stuff. You know, we're, we're right there. Uh, and that's, that, that's where we're at. And uh, we live in this era of more access to more word, more preachers, uh, I think it's a little weird that we don't really have superstar uh, clergy like we once did outside of like your Jake's or your Olsteins. The vast majority of people probably aren't chasing, you know, the uh, Jasper Williams and the, you know, I mean, just some of the, some of the classic names, but we're in an age of information. Matter of fact, we were raised in the age of information. We were raised in the age of, pushing young people to get educations, college, and all of that. And I want to talk a little bit tonight about the cross-section between uh, the clergy work, the work of a pastor, the preacher, and schooling and education, yep. and, and how those dynamics work together 
in the context of the church. Now, now, Mike here went to school around your way, right? You went to school down. Yes, sir. Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman. Daytona Beach, Florida. Okay. Okay. And, and he, you're still heavily involved with other, uh, you know, alumni and some Correct. organizations and things. So, Correct. I mean, you see he's got the gear on. You, you see he's. You got to represent for the HBCUs. That, that's Kent. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to rep it. You got to rep it. Don't nobody want to see my Kent State YSU gear. Don't nobody want to see that. Nobody <laughs> cares. Nobody cares. I mean, I'm just, it's a fine institution. <laughs> but it's not going to get me any any accolades anywhere. But tell us about your educational journey, Pastor yeah, Chris. Tell us yeah, about, yeah. you know, what drove you to pursue in the direction of ministerial training and then your know, bachelor's MDiv. You're at an MDiv right now and you're on your way to your doctorate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, let, let me start with this. Um, I did not. um I did not initially think I would study theology. I always start with that. Um, you know, my college journey was interesting. Uh, actually started started at Hampton University, came back home, finished up at Youngstown State for my mm. bachelor's uh, and went through this kind of crisis of call while in college. Um, you know, I was the kid, if you asked me what I was going to be when I was growing up from literally the age of seven uh, until 21, uh, I always said I was going to law school. Always hmm. was my aspiration. Uh, got into law school, was heading to law school, was actually going to stay in state, go to Case Western Reserve, had full scholarship, was looking for an apartment, uh, and had this moment where it was really clear for me uh, that I needed to pursue theological education. Didn't even know at that point that I would pastor. I was already preaching. I mean, you know how we do. Uh, you know, I, I, I was licensed to preach at 18. Uh, but I did not necessarily think that I was going to be somebody's pastor. To be honest with you, I did not want to be somebody's pastor uh, because growing up in church uh, and watching at times how preachers got treated, I did not want to be one. Uh, so I'm just going to be honest about that whole thing. We'll, we'll kind of dive into those waters as well, because I think that's a part of this conversation. Right. Exposure um, and, and what the pulpit looked like and 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 the the nature of uh, kind of the box with which I viewed ministry at that point. So, you know, uh, left, uh, went to the East Coast, uh, did my MDiv work at Yale, which was, you know, just really interesting because you go from, um, from a very churched focused understanding of religious education to uh, not only a seminary context, but a divinity school. So maybe that's even kind of a good moment to, to lay out some terms. Because Yeah, do, do that for us. Educate know, us about education. You know, educate, yeah, right, right. When we talk about theological education, you know, a seminary is a standalone institution typically tied to a denomination. So there is a particular goal of educating Methodist clergy or Baptist clergy or Presbyterian clergy or Episcopalian clergy, right? When, when you go into a divinity school space, it is number one, ecumenical. Uh, so, mm. you know, you've got people from every Christian tradition. So in my class, you had, you know, folks out of the Anglican tradition, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal expressions, non-denominational expressions. You have folks who consider themselves to be theologically liberal. You have folks who consider themselves to be theologically conservative. You had all this stuff going on. And then you bring us into uh, this space where for me, you know, those three years at Yale really 
shook up a lot of what mm-hmm. I thought I knew about my faith, but then had the miraculous work of really giving me a set of tools to understand that my, my faith in Jesus is a whole lot bigger than questions, right? And, and I think that's a big part around why I am a proponent of clergy pursuing some sort of accredited solid theological education because you cannot stand in the public sphere saying that we are proclaiming Christ and be afraid of conversations that are challenging. Um, Right. I, I, I would argue for me, I think that is number one, a strand, especially of the African-American church that has always been there even before we had the academic space to have the conversation. We've always been saying, okay, this is what you say about Jesus and this is my lived reality. (laughs) Right. And my lived reality does not always necessarily match what you're saying about Jesus. So how do I reconcile the two? Well, that, that is the work of theology. The work of theology is how we think about God, right? How we think about God in light of what we see, what we experience, what happens in our lives. And that's very important. And I have to say those three years uh, at YDS helped me to build that that tool set. Uh, And, you know, from that, uh, came back to Ohio, uh, did a few years of community uh, organizing and nonprofit work, uh, got a chance to lead the wonderful people of Tabernacle for four years, uh, and then came here. And, you know, over the last five years, I have been, uh, I I laughed, I I finished college early, uh, finished SUMA early, got out of of seminary with with honors and award, but this doctorate, I'm getting out with my life. And so- Right, uh, (laughs) right. I'm just getting out. You know, I had an exchange with my dean last week and uh, she emailed me about something and I got really scared. And she said, no, 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 you're good. You're good, Chris. I said, thank you. I got to get out. I just got to get done. Um, right. So so this week we are heading toward a defense. And, and you know, part, part of, again, you know, kind of going back to 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 the box, I, I think especially and you said something really interesting, uh, Todd, about, you know, the era of ministry we're entering where there is no easy way to put it. And, and, and let's be clear. I don't think COVID did this by itself. I think it was already happening. But 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 the the earth has shifted by way of of kind of the the steeple focused church. And what I mean by that is the idea of everything kind of circulating around this building with 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 a man or woman at the center of it who who whose life kind of just circulates around people coming and going into this particular space and 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 me or you or any other preacher being up doing what we do and folks kind of just passively absorbing that 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 right. that that has been shifting for years covid took it and just <laughs> flipped it on its head right because we literally had to renegotiate how we view our worship spaces how we view our our mediums of communication um and so much of that again has to do with do you have the language um yeah the do you have the flexibility right do do you have uh, the cultural sensitivity to to understand we are ministering to people who, and you already said it, are exposed to everything. And yep. so I yep. know I'm going to get in trouble for this, but you know, I'm in Florida now. So y'all, whatever I say, uh, number one, I know you have viewers all over the place. So whatever is said uh, for folk back Millions. in the 
y'all millions of viewers. Yes. Y'all y'all gonna deal with that. I don't have to deal with them. I'm gonna go hide at the beach. But here's here's the thing I want us to consider. Being able to just say, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. The Bible said it, and that's all that matters. Now, now don't get me wrong. I believe in the authority of scripture. That's not I am 100 percent a Bible says it. I believe it. That settles yeah, it. You know, of the authority of scripture. Yeah. But if you can't talk about context, if right. you can't talk about history and placement, if you don't know the difference between what is poetry, <laughs> what is metaphorical, right? right? If you allegory, all that, allegory, all that. Right? If you can't do that, and, and, and let me say as a proud church baby to my core, right? When we do that, though, without a sensitivity for all of those other pieces, we can sometimes do violence. And I think one of yeah. the challenges that we're dealing with right now is we have generations of folk who, who have been recipients of that violence. I mean, you know, you think of stuff that we've said, you know, again, around, you know, family and, you know, you know, you can't get divorced. OK, well, well hold on now. Hold on now. I'm in an abusive situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm married to a right. jerk. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I'm going through hell at home. And you're trying to tell me that I shouldn't want to leave this. You know, and, and, and granted, I don't want oh, to yeah. say something so lightly in such a quick, a quick turn. But th- these are things when we start to talk about lived experiences or we talk about our experiences as, you know, as, 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 as African-American folks, you know, again, you know, turning the other cheek. Yeah, but let's understand what Jesus was talking about. Like, let's let's understand right. mm-hmm. that Jesus was not talking about some some road of, of docility where we just let people walk all over us. You know, so, right. you know, so we, we got to make sure that yeah. we're using our tool set. So I'll stop there before I get in trouble. And you're speaking you the language. No, no, no. You're speaking. Hope, <laughs> better to be asked up than asked down. <laughs> right, right. But you're speaking the language when you talked about being challenged and shaken in college and being able to wrestle with the hard questions. And we just had a guest a couple of weeks back, uh, my dear friend Leah, who was talking yep, about her yep. spiritual journey and all of her, uh, all of the facets that she's willing to accept and wrestle with, and that the church is notorious for shutting down questions. You and I are well familiar with that. And I'd like to say many others are well beyond that. And we almost wish we could have those hard conversations that previous generations have. You know, I'm like, come on in. Now, you ain't going to holler at me in the middle of my sermon. You know, we're not going to have this, you know, but let's have coffee. Let's sit down. Let's power. Let's have a rap session. Let's talk about it. Let's do that. And ask me the hard questions, not to try to undermine Absolutely. my faith, you know, you're, you're going to, aha, gotcha. You know, that, we're yeah. not here for that or yeah. just to create a, an embarrassing moment. But if you're genuinely wondering about things, I don't think people are delusional about the fact that any form of religion or spiritual principle is going to have certain absolutes. Yeah. I think it's the absolute elitism That's that right. many Christians operate in. And That's honestly, right. preachers, pastors, who are used to being the final authority in all matters yeah. of spirit and life and faith do not want to walk into a classroom where everything they thought they knew about yeah. scripture. And I was that guy at a young age where I, the more I discovered yeah. the real context of scripture, I didn't know how to wisely yeah. explain yeah. that. And I was so happy to run to the pulpit and be like, y'all been preaching this wrong. Let me tell yeah. y'all yeah. what, yeah, the needle really is and why the camel can't get in the gate. You know, and I'm like, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and, and it's condescending. It's yeah. arrogant. 
you know, it's all of that. But then you have a scared group yeah. that they don't want to be shaken. Yeah. They don't want to be challenged. And they're not sure if they'll keep their faith. Yeah. They're not sure yep. personally if they'll right. have a and faith. That well, they heard horror stories about somebody that became an atheist because they went to yeah. a, you know, a divinity school or something. And, and I'll, I'll say it, and I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to argue with anybody about this. If, if, if you were going to become one, you were already going to become one. Um, there it is. There, there really is no. I mean, you know, now, you know, are there some things that I have wrestled with in different ways over the years that I didn't growing up? Well, number one. That that's just the natural progression of of maturity in life, right? Like some of this right. is not even education as much as you know. I, I'll just be very candid. When when you grow up, like many of us did, you know, when you come to a saving faith in Christ very young, and you grow up very churched, uh, and there yeah. is absolutely nothing wrong for it. You know, one of the the, the long it's one of the most wonderful things in the world. Listen, I had the opportunity to baptize my daughter this past summer. It, it is remarkable to grow up in the faith. Oh yeah. But what what I will say is sometimes what happens is you can develop uh, that that elitism you're talking about before you've really lived enough life to have it challenged in you. Right. Right. So, so, <laughs> right. Right. So, so I'm gonna be real candid. You know, I started preaching before I had enough life to really challenge me around mm-hmm. what I thought I knew about Jesus. Same here. And, and, and yeah. so, when that starts to happen, in tandem with your academic journey, right, and your formation as a man and as an adult, then you have to begin to say, okay, what. What made complete sense and was completely black and white and was very simple for me is no longer such. It doesn't mean that there are not pieces and tenets and absolute things that I believe, but it does mean there has to be some more room for grace. There has to be some right. more room for questions and conversation. There has to be more room for dialogue because I'm having it. And, and I think you hit the nail on the proverbial head. Part of the challenge is two things. It is not our job to be the end-all, be-all for people spiritually as pastors. Right. I'm going to say that one more time. It's not. We're to be teachers. We're to be equippers. We're to be guides. We're to feed. But I cannot be your all-in-all spiritually. That is the job of God and the Holy Spirit and the redemptive Christ. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And so if you're looking for me to do that, and and it's kind of a, I hate to say it, it's kind of a dangerous two-way thing that happens. We sometimes have been complicit in putting ourselves in that position. And then it gets fed back to us. And we kind of believe it, right? So, 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 So we're kind of believing it and then we're pushing it back and then it creates. So then what happens is what? Well, what happens, you know, what happens when the preacher messes up? What happens when the preacher does something wrong? Then, then Absolutely. People, oh, I have church hurt because the preacher did this. Well, you know, it was never really about the preacher. And that's it was to never going to be. That's not to suggest we don't need to have integrity. It's not to suggest we don't need to live up to a standard. It's not to suggest that we don't need to be an example. But I think one of the best examples we can be is be a student. Be a disciple. Show your right. people how to be a disciple, which is what Jesus calls us to do, right? One Correct. who is taught, one who learns, one who is not afraid um, to engage tough questions. 
I was going to say, so a couple of things that you all have mentioned, uh, you know, even when I was first pursuing my, my MDiv at Oral Roberts University, it had nothing to do with me wanting to be a preacher. Yep. Actually, I did. I was going pursuing MD, my MDiv as well as business because I have an affinity for business. Yep. And I, what I loved about Oral Roberts is that it wasn't pushing me to be a preacher. It was, you know, that healing ministry and how uh, Oral had saw there are different facets of the kingdom that we all can stand in that doesn't require you to have a collar around your yep. neck to be able to walk just the same as, you know, a pastor who has charge over because as a CEO, I would have charge over X amount of people's lives. And I still need to operate in a sense of integrity and being trustworthy and all those things, you know, what have you. Uh, So for, for me, when I, you know, hear about you wanting to, I believe that people need to allow space for, you know, for the man or woman of God who is going into that space, they're they are literally hopefully going in uh with wrestling and then also getting clarity about their own journey and not hopefully for some of these unfortunately you have a you have a for profit uh, fixtures that are out there just to be able to get money. So they'll give a degree to anybody that can sign their name on a paper for a student loan, yep, you know, mills. which does paper a mills. disservice yeah. to the kingdom because that's a title rather than the work that's actually being done, you know, yeah. but what I'll say is that there's something about someone who has a heart to just want to learn more. And then the hope is, uh, to kind of go into uh, the point of now you have education, but you might not have enough life is that I believe it's also imperative for uh, us who are trying to go that way to have a mentor who is educated, right? Yeah. To be able to give you yeah. that guidance and that balance of brother, you are going to learn some phenomenal things. You're going to learn this, that, and the other. That's great. But there also has to be a way for you to be able to relate that back yeah. to the common man, because if you have a disconnect with your theology and your, all your isms that you've learned and so on and so forth, and you're taking that back and your people are not able to receive it. All you've done is gone to a seminar for you. You haven't yeah. gone to a place where yeah. you can actually equip the grander audience which you're here to serve. So uh, with that said, you know, I applaud both of you all for uh, both of you gentlemen for having a heart to say that, you know, you might not be able to take 20 to 30 or 50 or 100, 200, how many other people are in your congregations to that level of uh, of education when it comes to theology. But what you're actually doing is you're going on their behalf so that you can actually give back to them and saving them both time, money, and what have you. Now, the challenge of the church is to make sure that we honor these men and women of God to say that they have made an investment. They are there to better themselves so that they can equip the household of faith. And with that said, we need to make sure that we support financially, that we support spiritually and however way see fit that we, if we believe that that man or that woman of God is who we are supposed to be under, we should be able to give them our full support. And guess what? If you're not, then you might need to leave and find you another place. Oh, he's preaching from the I was going to say, it's time to open the doors of the church. (laughs) <laughs> it's time to open. Now, I had an opposite. Right, right, right. Now, I had an opposite experience, uh, Pastor. I came into pursuing religious education secondary because the context I was raised in, nobody was pushing me toward anything. And now you weren't being pushed toward it, but 
there was a call that came that, hey, I, I want to pursue this. I feel the call to ministry. You're going from law school to this. I was just raised in a church where the anointing, you're called, you know, the spirit of God is on you. And I did not have a father who went to, to school or any even mentors until I actually met Reverend Dr. Hearns, who was like, you know, you have something in you that probably speaks to a different context than the one you're in. And but then there was a tension there because then I went yeah. and I started at Geneva just to get a community ministry degree. And I, I wasn't doing anything. I was working well, but I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn. I started at a church Bible school. Then I went to Geneva College. And I didn't even start pursuing my, pursuing my MDiv until last year. Life, of course, got in the way uh, of that. But but I'm in I'm in the midst of it right now. And my situation was different. That nobody was saying you need this, you need that coming up. Now that I'm in the Baptist Church and meeting a whole different brand of preacher and pastor, it's almost like this is automatic. But my problem is that piece of paper has become for some people a badge of honor that does not really even there match their commitment to the church, mm-hmm. nor yeah. does it seem to actually produce a better pastor or preacher. And this is not an arrogant thing, but there are people I've run into and some people who've run into me who have said things to the nature of, so, so where'd you get your MDiv or where'd you, where'd you go to school? I'm like, nah, I'm just getting started in this thing. And they're like, huh? So there are people who can go through the motions, just like there are college graduates out there who come out here and Mm -hmm. cannot function in (laughs) any real fashion of their degree. Mm -hmm. And and it's not just because there are no jobs out there. It's because that person can't function. That person can't. They can write all the papers in the world. Mm -hmm. They can defend all the dissertation. You know, they can do all of that. But the real life part of it, Mm -hmm. it's not there. So what do you say when we see? Pastors, ministers, especially those, and I'm, 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 I'm limiting it to pastors now because the degree seems to be a, a stepping stone sure. for them. Sure. And, and, and the church is complicit in that because the yeah. church has often started putting out these standards. I've worked in job services for 10 years before I went uh, away from my job with the state. And I found out that HR managers often didn't know any more about the job than the people applying for the job. If that HR manager was an HR generalist over a giant plant, uh, uh, auto plant, they don't know anything about painting cars. They don't know anything about, you know, programming a robot, you know, they don't know, but they know how to hire. And I'm seeing the same dynamic in the church. I'm seeing boards and search committees who know to ask for this, that, and the other. And so now you have a bunch of candidates who are just making sure they have this, that, and the other. And that becomes more important than the actual man or woman, Mm -hmm. their character, their ability, their heart, their shepherding, their their relational abilities, even like you said, their cultural awareness, their their ability to, to connect with the community they're serving. He's got that piece of paper. He's young and sounds dynamic might be preaching the one good sermon he got when he does the trial sure. sermon, you know, might be sure. preaching that one. He's Absolutely. probably preaching his dissertation to y'all and he's Absolutely. probably preaching his, his papers. How do you, how do we navigate that and try to steer people away from that? I think a key word in that is never in our academic pursuits should the role of the Holy spirit be minimized. Wow. And I think, and I think I think Christian formation and theological education at its best puts at the center the supernatural inspirational work of the Holy Spirit, which which ought to be moving amongst us as preacher, 
and moving in the community of faith that yeah. is, is engaging us, right? So here's the reality. Um, even when that search team board, pastoral search committee, however the structure works in that particular church is coming together. Absolutely sit down and come up with your qualifications because you should. Let me be clear. Um, mm -hmm. If you want your congregation to grow and to move and, 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 and to function at a particular level and you have a high expectation for it, then there should be a high expectation for for the man or the woman that's going to occupy that seat. So yes. let me be, you know, let me let me put that on the table and be clear. I think historically, you know, and, and, and regions are different, too. So I think a big part of this, especially those of us who have come out of, you know, Midwest, Rust Belt, places where let's just be candid, even even. Academics is not big across the board. Oh, in the general society, period. Right. So blue collar. Yeah, it's, it's a blue collar community. And you have blue collar preachers. And you have blue collar preachers, many, many of whom have yep. built and built phenomenal churches. So let's be, Correct. Let's be clear. Correct. I would, even argue, I would even argue most of those pastors were still educated. educated. It's yes. You know, so, so, you know, even if one does not have the opportunity to walk into a classroom and receive a credential, it does not mean that you cannot be well read. Correct. Correct. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. Yeah. So let's, let's start there. And so, so, so part of it and, and, and having that type of reference for learning and growth, that's the bedrock piece, right? Right. But let me let me kind of go back to what I was what I was attempting to say. But now in the year 2022, right, where you know the exposure, the opportunity, the chances for someone to do what they need to do academically are readily available. Uh, at least having the aspiration is critically yeah. important. But that yeah. still does not dismiss. You got to be full of the Holy Ghost, and let me, yes, let me say this: and the folk on the committee need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Well, so, so, uh, so, Mr. Paramore said half these folk ain't even saved. So I mean, how they go? Would say it just like that, absolutely, right? So, 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 yeah. So first, no Jesus. No Jesus. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that would help. That would help. Filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit, and so then when you're looking at a candidate or person you see okay they have met certain professional requirements but then you got to get up under that right and, yeah and, and say, yeah okay but 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 who is this person at their core who are they and their heart how what is their spirit like you know do they have a prayer life right and you you are correct it is interesting in in, in, in what we would call, for lack of a better world, the professional world of clergy, uh, where yeah. the expectation is that you at least have an MDiv and then, then you absolutely have to pursue a doctorate. In that world or arena, people will oftentimes introduce themselves first by their credentials, right? Which, that's great. And, and listen, I'm a proponent of credentials. That's why I won't be sleeping the next four days. I get it. Right. I need them. Right. They're important. But on the same note, your time spent with God the anointing over your life and over your ministry, right? You're, you're, you're living in right covenant with God 
and with the folks you're supposed to be in right covenant with, you know, your spouse, your family, those things got to be together. Correct. Because Correct. if those things are not together and we see this happen so often, and this is not from a judgmental seat. I'm not even coming from that place. Anybody who knows me, that's not my MO because every day I'm trying to make sure Chris McKee is walking in integrity. I don't have time to judge anybody else. What I'm simply right. saying is this, though. We see a whole lot of folk who have all the credentials in the world, but 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 do you do you even act like you're trying to follow Jesus? Do, are you correct? Do, you, do like do, do we like? Do, <laughs> no, I've met a few, bro. I've met a few. Trying, right? You know right. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. And so and so you're right. You know when 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 our our teams and our search committees, and I will say part of it, I can't even say is some of this too. And uh, I just got to say it. Coming out of a congregational Baptist context, I love, I love the Baptist church for many reasons, and I love the Baptist autonomy. But the challenge of Baptist autonomy is just that. It's autonomous. So churches don't necessarily have an agreed upon standard by which how we engage no. potential pastors, right? Correct. So, so, so we are sometimes kind of just putting together our wish list without taking into consideration, number one, what's our context. So, you know, a big thing, and, you know, I shared this before we hopped on the, uh, tonight, you know, in the future, the numbers are telling us, anybody who follows this stuff, uh, the numbers are telling us, number one, you know, the, the full-time, the full-time vocational pastor, uh, the brick-and-mortar vocational pastor, I'm blessed to do that, many are, but that number yeah. is changing is shifting, yes. right? The the nature of church in that way of the pastor in the study with the admin out front, that, that is shifting and changing. So what we're going to increasingly see are not only just bivocational pastors in the sense of two jobs, but by professional pastors <laughs> or, or, or in the case of, 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 of having multiple professional hats because number one, the nature of the pulpit has changed. Number two, the nature of our economy is shifting, right? It, 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 it takes more and more money for everybody to live. That's the truth, right? That's a whole other conversation too. Because, you know, if, if we want our clergy to be educated, then we do need to make sure they're supported, right? Um, and preachers are more transient. They're more transient than and they were. Transient, just like well, everything else. Just like, like in the rest of the world. There's not 30, like 40 years at a steel mill anymore. It's... It's, it it, I mean, it is know, what it is. It is what it is. You know, one time there was an expectation. You're right. You walked into your steel mill. You walked into the school you taught at. You walked into the church you pastored, wherever you went, and you would be there for the next 30 or 40 years. You would retire right. from that place. That world for everybody has shifted, and the pulpit is no different. And so what churches have to begin to do is really think about, you know, when you're doing a call, are we calling somebody? Are we calling somebody for where we are, or for what we purely aspire to be, which is also mm. important? Right. Because if you're calling somebody for for where you are, then it has to be a mixture, and, and that goes for anybody. It has to be a mixture of those things, right? It's your it's your yeah. academic preparation, it's your it's your spirituality, it's your fitness for ministry, um, it's the fact that now I will say this. You know, even though I have gone through those academic channels, I came up the old way of a minister, right? Like, you know, I had to sit down and like learn. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. 
and like and 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 preached for years without the expectation that I should somehow just you know I mean I, I'm gonna be honest with you you know this kind of like you know I just need to go pastor type stuff it troubles me because you know yeah. I, I I spent a decade preaching before before I pastored anybody you know I mean, you know yeah. <laughs> I spent yeah. a decade you know, serving and, 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 and teaching Sunday school and preaching and, and doing all sorts of other church stuff and cleaning and, 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 and cutting grass and, and toilet. I mean, if you, you know, and, 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 and let me tell something, you know, what, what's important here is in your academic credentials, no matter how great they might be, what you learn in service is, is, oh, it's invaluable. It's, I, I often say, I have a friend, uh, some many, several dear friends and, we were night and day in our experience. Their experience was youth revivals. Their experience was getting the chance to preach at their denominational conventions. Their yep. experience was emceeing concerts. My experiences was going to nursing homes with my father. My yep. experience yep. was watching him drive a van to Youngstown every morning as an yep. elder in the church and bringing Pick families people, back to church and, back war, and, yep. and staying yep. after washing toilets and all of that. And I, I did more funerals as my first initial sermons as a young yep. man more, yeah. even if it was just remarks or, or yeah. just being a part of that world that some of my peers have never even stepped into that. Because even if they do become pastors, perhaps the nature or the makeup or demographic or size of their church doesn't even bring that challenge yet in yeah. life. Maybe they launched yeah. a church at a young age or they have a smaller congregation that doesn't bring the weight that I've already been under at a young yeah. age. And that experience plus anointing, and even, like you said, awareness. There's just an, and we don't like to talk about this, but there is a, just like there's emotional intelligence, there is a ministerial intelligence. You better say that, Tom. That is an inherent thing, and some people got it, and some people some just people don't. don't. You can they see don't. it. When they get up, you give them a mic, and it's time to pray. They it, they, they on the, the, the roster of a funeral or a special, you, you, you can see the intelligence. And it's not just charisma. Don't yep. get charisma yep. confused with ministerial intelligence. It's not that you're so personable and you know how to work the room and you know how to move the shout or, or, or introduce yep. a speaker or raise an offering. I'm not talking about charisma. I'm talking about ministerial intelligence, knowing your spots, picking your spiritual spaces, you know, knowing that everything is, and we are young, so we all, we just going to hoop till we get tired and we'll get older, like the old preachers say, and say, all right, young man, one day you won't be doing all that. You know, and now we starting to cross over into that one day. <laughs> we, but, but, but here's something in one of our uh, commenters who watch us all the time, uh, Pastor Bowie made a great point when he said that education is vitally important, but committees and churches are often hooked on degrees over the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And I would add to that, again, that ministerial intelligence, that cultural intelligence, that that vision. Do they have vision? Are they able to balance? And I have this own experience. My church took a chance on me, taking me from a non-denominational context. My predecessor had a doctorate and several degrees, and I just was sitting on a bachelor's and and with the aspiration of an MD and just now pursuing that. But there was obviously, and I can just testify to my, there was something that there was a match, there was a fit, there was a God-ordained meaning for me to be at the the grand old Second Baptist Church in Warren. They're, 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 that don't happen yeah. by accident. It, it just doesn't. And I, I joked about it with you guys before the show, and I never put this out, but I've seen it in action. 
where saints love sharing memes and cliches and saying stuff like God doesn't call to qualify the qualified. He, he qualifies the called until that member is on a search committee. And until that <laughs> member has read five other churches, you know, descriptions, and that's what they're going off of. And that description says MDiv and doctorate. And I know for a fact, and I'm not saying it to be funny, but if a right match of a church would have passed me over because I didn't have that MDiv or that doctorate, they would have missed out. And there's a lot of churches, like you said, who have taken on a mess of men and women because they have a piece of paper and have missed out on dynamic leadership who very well, whether they got the degree or not, maybe some of them would have jumped into getting that education to better themselves, to be a better preacher, teacher, but they didn't even get the chance to do it. Didn't even get the chance to share that vision and perhaps what they had to offer outside of, because I went to, I got on iTunes and started doing the Harvard Divinity School classes. I was watching that every night in 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, just watching. When iTunes started that iTunes U thing, Mm. I was on that sucker. I still have the notes, you know, Old Testament survey and and different things like that. I didn't have access to that through an official tuition paid seminary or divinity school or anything. But I was hungry to learn and I was walking. I'm an article reader. I read articles, you know, faithfully. You know, short form, long form, even sometimes position papers. I familiarize myself with most major denominational uh, doctrines. Yeah. And those that had some sort of argument behind their doctrines, their scriptural yeah. argument. Yeah. I, that was my obsession. So I did come in with some advantages without that paper yeah. that some other guys might have been raised in their bubble. They might have been raised writing those papers. They might have been raised getting pushed through by a mentor but didn't have the experience and more the well-rounded broadness. And and I just want to sort of segue into this. As you mentioned, the job market is changing. We're part of the last generation that was really being pushed to school, school loans, degrees, and a whole lot of us not exactly doing what we got degrees in because of the recession and the job market. And of course, the region you might have been living in at the time. Now we're seeing companies, whole industries, move to short-term certificates, in-house training. You know, you don't have to have the degree. On one hand, there's a little bitterness from those who five years ago had to have that bachelor's or master's to even be considered. On the other hand, there's this celebration of openness that you don't have to go into five, six, eight years of debt to get a good job. That's going and is happening in the church. It's going to happen do you see yourself looking back on somebody, and you could be honest, after you almost die over the next four days, and realize <laughs> that the standards and the shifting even shake some of those expectations? And you'll see people in what used to be doctorate churches, and you know which churches are the doctorate churches. You know, we know which churches are the MD. Sure. All you got to do is visit the National Baptist Convention sure. page sure. with, the, sure. with the, the job openings. And every preacher be lying. You know where that page is at. Every preacher yeah. know where that page is at. And you see that, you know which are the MD. What happens when they're not anymore? Or will some churches be left behind because they're still stuck there? They're still stuck there. I think that's a great question. So I, I think, I actually think... This is my opinion, and this is not even a research. I'm literally because I've, I've I've never quite been asked that question before, so I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of working off the cuff. I think there are some churches 
due to their size, their influence, and their scope, they will never settle for less than those yeah. particular type of credentials for the person who's at the helm of those churches. And can I interject? Church peer pressure is real. Yeah. Church yeah. peer pressure is real. Well, what think, they think about what others will think yeah, and how that drives. Yeah, it's important. I, you know, yep. and I think, and, I, and again, and I think that's a, I think that's a, a geographical conversation. I think that's a, I think that's a, a big city versus small, East Coast. For, I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot in that, right? But, but I, I do think there are some congregations uh, that's going to be their standard, and it has been their standard. And, 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 and in all fairness to many of those congregations, we also have to talk about. If your congregation is educated, yes. it is difficult, and it's not quite fair to not have that same expectation of the person leading your congregation. Yeah, they don't want to hear that. They don't, they don't want to hear God is good every week, and I, I was born by the river. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. Uh, but 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 you put you you mix the two though. You got some. But oh yeah. Here's, here, here's the thing though. I think we're going to see that. That's going to kind of be one, one bucket. Mm. But I think there's another bucket. And I think it's the bucket of the small to, to mid-sized churches that are going to have to rethink yeah. how they do ministry, period, and rethink their view of the pulpit in order to thrive in this new era. So I wow. think here's something that COVID laid bare for us. There's really no easy way to have this conversation, but the churches that have come through COVID and survived and thrived have been led, and not just in the pulpit, but led, whether it's your, your staff model, your governance model, whatever it is, by people who have not been afraid to be innovative and creative. Yeah, And if you have been in a space where people have been afraid to be innovative and creative, a lot of people are now looking up two years later, waiting for this day where everything comes back to what it was. And that day is not happening. Don't miss what I'm saying. Are people going to come back to church? Sure they are. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about, you know, the way in which we think about ministry has to shift. And ministry is always shifting, right? How right. we do or how we deliver the truth is always shifting. The truth doesn't change, but the mode right. of delivery does, right? So so I think it's that group where, and, and this, this would be the spot and the place where increasingly our, our academic spaces, and they're trying to do it. Uh, I can even speak to what will soon be my, my next alma mater, you know, Colgate Rochester Crozer. You know, Colgate Rochester Crozer got rid of the huge cathedral, neo-Gothic building that we had. I, I had the pleasure uh -huh. of walking those halls, the halls Dr. King walked. Though, though, I mean, that, that place is, is magnificent. However, uh, the same thing that's happening in the public sphere is happening in the church and happening in the academy, which Correct. is that building was built for young people majority white who left went straight to school lived there and then became professional educated clergy 
Right. That is no longer the case, right? The, the numbers have, have, shrunk, have shrunk as far as how many people are pursuing theological education because you hit on something. Number one, it costs, right? So, so, so if, we're going, costs. if we're going to have pipelines for education, then there has to be a conversation around how does, you know, we used to say at Yale, town and gown, gown and town, which means like how does academia meet the community so community can meet academia. And that is wow. a part of what has to happen for clergy because what we're going to see happening is you're absolutely right. Not only will people not necessarily have theological education, they might be well-trained in another area. So, so what happens when we have somebody who has an IT background, right, is, is, is called, anointed, and equipped, it would make a great pastor, but does not have theological education. And so we're going to have the bomb live streams. That's what we're going to have the bomb. We ain't never going to drop a frame. Ever, ever, every, every angle possible. Every angle possible. (laughs) The pastor will be like this, right? Right. But, but then we have to have a conversation. So how do we get you in a pipeline? How do we get you, how do we get you in a program? How do we get you in an accelerated program? How do we get you connected to a, a school that will say, you know, this is designed for the working pastor who, who can't, you know, take, 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 take their life and put it on hold. Or, you know, you know, I did seminary when I was single and not married. And, and you know, listen, I, I had I had all of my time to devote. It's right. very important to understand we are we have already and we always have. But increasingly, we're going to have women and men called to clergy leadership who are going to need those types of support. And, and I'll say this uh, because I know you can wrap up soon and I'm going to say this because I know everybody's going to get mad at me. But then that's also the next layer of this is then we have to think of a collaborative model to accomplish it, which means right. maybe maybe congregations need to spend less time looking and seeing what the other congregation is doing and being honest about, okay, we have our set of resources. You have your set of resources. There it is. If we want to do viable ministry, right? If we want to be able to extend a viable call, if we want to call a solid young woman or young man who That's- is qualified and anointed, maybe hasn't finished all their degree work, but, but we're going to make sure that they, they get a good educational stipend as a part of their p- package so they can do so, then that might mean you have to come together and collaborate and do ministry. That's a whole nother, a whole nother show. Well, it would, but that's, know. that's been a long running theory because <laughs> but it's the I, I lament the fact that I am the only young full-time pastor in our region. Yeah. And I will be the only young full-time pastor in our region because our churches are not structurally and 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 organically structured in a way that they can afford to have more so that's a big part of why our our white peers can lead in a lot of areas and have whole pastoral staffs just for families and children and outreach yeah. and this and we can barely pay a bivocational preacher is because we are not financially structured some of it's not our fault i always say it's not our fault what happens to us but it's our fault for how we respond to how it respond so to in it. our little corner of the world it's not our fault that companies picked up and left not the local church's fault but just like if I lost my big, great paying union job and I had five cars and three boats and I'm still going bankrupt trying to pay on that when my job was gone 10 years ago, that's my fault that I'm trying to keep up a structure that my reality no longer supports. And then I'm not able to be effective because 
people are going. It doesn't necessarily mean seminarily trained, seminary trained, but it does mean at least professional clergy who can devote their time to the church, number one, and to learning and growth and development. We have preachers who can't even go to conventions, can't afford to even go to be poured into to see the world, to to get ideas. Which historically were our places where that whole town and gown happens. So where, where, where our deans of Christian education on district levels, state levels, and national levels were able to bring in top tier educated clergy, Correct. right, to, to expose other clergy who might not necessarily have, you know, had the opportunity, but, but for a week, <laughs> they, they, get, they get an immersion in this information and can bring it to their congregations. So, you know, w- which, you know, I argue that has always been the richness of our improvisation within historically Black denominations, um, mm-hmm. and so how do we how do we get that to funnel down to the local church? But you're absolutely right. You're, you, 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 I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Hit the nail on the head. I believe so. One one thing that I'm, I'm seeing here is that you know, and it's not to put something more on the plate of the pastor, but it's definitely uh, going to be indicative of pastor developing the congregation as the leadership that they need to be, right? Because as you were mentioning with pastors being, you know, transient could be here and could be gone because of maybe job or having to uproot or leave different opportunities or whatever. The thing of it is, is that you're equipping your congregation, therefore the committees that are going to have to step into the next place of selecting placement, your successor. Right. So by equipping those to hopefully have a, a ear and a heart for both education as well as, uh, you know, the prophetic or whatever the spiritual gift that is to align with the church's uh, mission, I believe those two things have to be in step. And to a point earlier, it's a lot easier, unfortunately, for us to look at these grand churches and be able to take their map and their model and then thinking that we're going to put on that same thing we're actually doing is we're crushing ourselves because yeah. we think we have to carry that mantle that was ne- that we're not we haven't grown into right it's almost as an infant infant putting on teenage clothes you know what i mean like if you're not ready for it, it's going to swallow you up you're not going to be able to ultimately breathe in your level of ministry but right. if we're able to look at what that is and then being able to pick those things that do work for us and where we are then let's go ahead and pick them if if we know that we have a missionary focused church or healing mo- focused or yeah. whatever that is, yeah. being able to go for and see how those churches have done that model to save the time and right. the money yeah. and the resources right. yeah. that we, we don't have to waste. Uh, then I say, go ahead and, and mimic that. With that said, make sure that you still bring it in a frame of knowing your own capacity Correct. and your yeah. own bandwidth so that you're not, um, you're not shortcutting your own self when you're going forward. But education, again, is going to be something that's paramount to who we are as a people and definitely as a church. You have to have both if we're going to be able to go into the next uh, the next wave of right. how church looks, because it's never going to look how it used to look. And it never should, because it as does. the world is evolving, Correct. our spiritual development and to. how we do things, it has to evolve. Not to say that we're keeping up with the world, but guess what? If the world is the people that we're trying to reach, then yes, we do have to keep up lock and sync so that we 
can make sure that we know how to reach them. So if it means transitioning to TikTok or Snapchat or whatever it is, that we're on those same mediums, because guess what? The enemy is also on those same mediums. So either you're going to watch, he's TikTok. As we come on, even now. Even now. So we've got to meet, we've got to meet the world where they are. We don't have to do the use those devices for the same, but we do have to make sure that we know what that looks like. So that at the end of the day, once we do get them and we get their attention, we have something to offer them. Right. And again, it has to to me, it has to go back to education and then also marrying that with the spirit of God that lives within you, because you'll have. Prayerfully, you'll get to a place where you'll have millionaires who are educated and you cannot feed them the same thing that you've been feeding someone else. That's correct. You know, what have you. These these are men and women of of a certain caliber and they deserve before my before my saints get on here and say, you know, oh, yeah, them, them, them. But you know what? They deserve the gospel, too. You know, they deserve to be able to get the word of God. And we should make sure that whatever platform we're creating, it's not saying that we have to do something special for them, but you have to be able to know how to reach them in their modality. Well, the church is guilty of often shooting down and Mm -hmm. we want to shoot down. And, And honestly, I think a part of it is what has made this new wave of real real life ministry. This is reality ministry. This is thug ministry. That's what made it so popular. <laughs> can shoot down right. and say, all right, I'm going to wrap this sermon to you. I'm going to talk about bees and hoes and da, da, da. It's a little harder to shoot up mm-hmm. and say, I have, which I did have, and it, it does. I have business owners in my congregation. I have people who have doctorates. I have a brother, another brother in our church uh, who recently joined, of course, pandemic. You, we don't get the chance to see him getting his doctorate in the educational field. Got another brother yeah. who was the vice president and went on to be a president uh, down in mm-hmm. Kentucky of a college. And I'm like, I, you can't give them that same base level stuff. And And you know what? Even as you're giving the whole congregation what they need by speaking up, you're bringing everybody. Everybody. Up. Everybody, sometimes we're just too quick to dumb down, too quick to play. Keep it real. Because sometimes, honestly, keep it real sometimes just means keep it dumb. And our black folk don't need anything else being dumbed down for them. Black folk don't need anything else being simplified to a nursery rhyme, because honestly, that's a part of what's making us non-functional. In the rest of the world. Before you answer, I want to remind everybody, we'll be locked off in a few minutes. We used to do something called a rapid fire. So we're going to speed up our comments. If you have a question, type it in and we'll try to give you the 30 second, 60 second version back. But go ahead, Pastor McKee. No, no, listen, I'll always say, you know, you are so right because I think what gets lost in this conversation, this is why people need to know their history, is that the church, especially African American expressions of church, have always done the job of educating our people. Correct. So, always. so, 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 so to 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 suggest that anything less than that, <laughs> the ministry. Uh, <laughs> what is this? So, We're gonna get an email from them. Well, listen, but sometimes though it will bring the thug out of you. Now that is the truth. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> See me at my next church meeting, Doc. There's <laughs> gonna be some thugging. <laughs> But, 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 
<laughs> my intro but music. The point, but the point, but the point being, you know, keep keeping it real, and we can keep it real and still and still aspire to be the best of who we are because because yeah. we are we are a beautiful and diverse people. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. And, and the yeah, image of the of the ignorant black preacher is really a false image and a minority image. It's the image that might end up on memes and it might end up on YouTube videos and Church of Laugh, but most black that, ministers that ain't, that ain't and, and it's it's not. And and you know, and on the on the other side, we have been stricken in the black community and black churches with that wave of anti-elitism where we automatically assume that if somebody is educated that they are elite, they think they're better than us. You're yep. they, they used to be. And I would hear from my own members. They liked hearing terms they never heard before mm-hmm. that they could take home with them. And learn. And this means yeah. what that means. Yeah. We kind of went a little overboard. Yes, there were some, like you said, who preach for themselves, who learn for themselves. Who I was a musician. I would watch musicians play for other musicians and not necessarily for the people. They would play so that the other organists would know they could play. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get in front of preachers and preach so that we know. And I think everybody doing it on Facebook now because we know we all, you know, sneaking <laughs> in on each other. So we give it one little two or three lines because I know that preacher going to listen to this. But then we do get a overreaction of saying, oh, he's trying to talk above my head. Oh, he thinks he's better than me. No, first of all, I paid for these words. I'm a Sam. Okay, I paid for all these words. Listen, we'll be paying for them. Yeah, I'll preach right out this textbook. You fool with me. I will bring my textbook to the pulpit and make you listen to this foolishness I had to read. What I'm saying is, again, but what we've seen, Pastor Chris, is other religions, philosophies, our people will accept educated voices absolutely, and, expect- and then come to the church and say, oh, you're talking over my head. But then they'll listen to a 50 minute lecture from, you know, Robert X, somebody, you know, who's breaking down the history of Egypt or something. Mm. And we'll just be like, yeah. oh, man, he's opening up my eyes. So I would say things are cyclical. <laughs> Trends are cyclical. Yeah. Stay in that vein of improving and growing yourself. Because people will have a hunger for that intellectual uh, and, 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 and some people who aren't may not be for you. And, and that's just the end of it. Right. And, and so I want to thank you, Pastor McKee, for being our guest tonight. If anybody has questions, get it in quick because we're going to dismiss the Sunday night service in a minute. And uh, I want to thank Pastor Mike. And I want to start with Pastor Mike. <laughs> Pastor Mike. Just any last <laughs> thoughts or words you want to share? Sure. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you, Pastor Todd, for having me on here. Big appreciate Mike, you, Bishop. Allowing me to be here. <laughs> you, see, <laughs> for the untrained ear, you got to hear. It started at the beginning. Would you like any title Would other than like, brother? Then I didn't went to pastor and bishop in and a matter bishop. of moments. It's great. Yeah. Someone unwise would say, thank you. Right, right. So the apostle said that <laughs> you won't trick me. No, sir. <laughs> but I do want to uh, just say that I appreciate this platform because at the end of the day, I, I'm pulling, you know, education, education, education. And where, regardless if that means that, you know, for the for the lay saints out there, that if you're out there and uh, you have the, the the money and the backing to be able to do a four year degree somewhere and just because you want to or to be honest, one of the things that you don't have to invest money in uh, other than an offering, if you want some good stuff and you had a good Bible teaching church. Guess where's a great time to go is prayer service on Wednesday. Listen, yeah. Okay. Bible That's study. when yeah. there's no there, Bible study. There, there's no, uh, you know, 
we don't have to do the theatrics of Sunday, which we're known for. This is killing back. Want. Right. I will but, pick up that notebook and walk right. on this view <laughs> with my notes. But but it's there, you know, for us to be able to meet the man or woman of God and be able to ask the questions that uh, you know, go back and forth and to be able to really lean into it. It's about educating ourselves in the life because once this life is gone, the, you know, while we're looking at, you know, what the Lord is going to say to us, good and faithful servant, but part of good being good and faithful is what have you done to better yourself That's and it. then better That's the community it. around you. Correct. And if you have not invested in yourself and to thine own self be true, if I've invested more time in game changers into a business plan than I have in my own spiritual development, mm. There won't be because it's not about the pastor bringing me up. There should also be the same Holy Ghost that's in him as inside of me. Correct. And so even though our call is different as far as in our accountability, that same Holy Spirit is still pulling me. You know what? I'm going to be done. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you preach it like one. Keep me in prayer. You didn't know. If all Second Baptists is watching, this is your trial sermon. I brought it. <laughs> <laughs> this was a trial. Brother God Pastor, I'd like to make a motion. I'd like to make a motion <laughs> to accept this message. I love it. I love it. We do have a, a rapid fire question from my dear friend, Pastor Tatum Osborne in New York. She asks, do you think the pressure on women ministers to have specific degrees to be accepted and considered to a pastoral role is changing. I'll give my rapid fire answer. Not yet. Not yet. It just hasn't happened. I'm not saying it shouldn't. I don't think it has. I think it's almost like what black people have gone through. Your ice got to be colder. Your water got to be wetter. Your degrees have to be higher to meet somebody who is probably inferior to you because the church is still struggling with gender politics in the pulpit. That's my answer. What do you think, Pastor McKee? I, I, I agree. I sadly think mo- most women in ministry, now this is a whole other conversation, are actually more qualified uh, than a lot of men in ministry and, and are not getting the same level of opportunity. Uh, so I, I don't disagree. I, I think that is sadly still a reality. Um, and that's why those of us who fully support women in ministry need to make sure that we stand alongside our sisters in this because um, it's just the truth, sadly. And I think it's going to be up to us to genuinely turn that tide, but also graciously do so because mm-hmm. we are between perspectives. Mm-hmm. We are between perspectives. We've got to, and you know this, we can have, we've, we've had this conversation with female pastors that have been on our show. Most of the opposition come from women in the church, mm. Mm. you know, mm. that are programmed to male leadership and, that and it, it matches there. So we want to see it. We'll have to graciously and genuinely find those spaces where we can be true allies and help. Uh, but I hope it we that the next generation and our generation is a part of that shifting. I, I hope we are. Yeah. Uh, and Pastor President Harrison is absolutely right. There's still a glass ceiling in the church. Uh, so we want to break that ceiling. We want to crack that ceiling and let every gift, every ministry be fully seen. And thank you for your question, Pastor Tatum. And I know she's being educated right now. I think psychology she's going for uh, right now. And uh, she's doing a wonderful job. But Pastor McKee, give your last thoughts before we jump out of here. This was great. I had a blast with y'all. Awesome. That's my my very ecclesiastical response. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I wish more sermons would end that way. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I had a blast. (laughs) I love you. 
<laughs> this is pretty cool. You're dismissed. Amen. No, I, thank you again. Again, Pastor Jeff was not able to be with us. He is under the weather. Matter of fact, I'm going to go check on my brother real soon. As soon as I leave here, I'm going to go check on him, make sure he's straight. You know, take him some uh, Flintstones vitamins <laughs> and uh, Lunchables. And, uh, with friends like I'm that. <laughs> a hot toddy? That's what Big Mike will be taking. All right, Big Mike, what you got to say? Real quick, Pastor McKee, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank indeed. you for taking out the time to bless us on tonight. I uh, really enjoyed the conversation, and we look forward to having you on again. Uh, Mike, hey, you did your thing, brother. You did Always, your thing. Man. Thank you so much. Sorry, man. You came in and held your own. We appreciate it. Not everybody can hang with Todd. To our regular viewers, thank you for tuning in. Uh, We appreciate your support. And to our new viewers, every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday Sunday night service service at Religiously Incorrect. Y'all take care. Peace out. Stay on for a second, Pastor. Talk to y'all soon. Peace. All right.